There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Talkin' Titans. I'm Tennessean sports columnist Gentry Estes, along with Titans beat writer Ben Arthur. And we are going back over the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, Eight new Titans come on board. We're going to go pick by pick and kind of give our thoughts on uh, each of those things. But first, Ben, some news, not so good news, followed these picks on Monday morning for the Titans. Come to find out uh, Rashad Weaver had a a legal issue that popped up just before the draft. The Titans weren't aware of it. They're aware of it now. And uh, Ben, you know, before we get started kind of on, on the draft, let's, let's, let's knock out the elephant in the room here. And, and of course, you know, what, what was, you know, kind of give a, a quick summation to, to, to kind of what's the latest there with Weaver and uh, you know, where things stand and where they're headed. Yeah. So ba- basically um, you know, what happened was Rashad Weaver has been charges were filed uh, against him for uh, sim- uh, misdemeanor, simple assault stemming from an incident uh, in April 18th in Pittsburgh. These charges were filed on Friday, which is the day before the Titans picked him. And this news actually didn't come out until Monday, so two days after the filings. Um, and, and this came first via the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, you know, then you know, more and more information started coming in, and, and the, the Titans released a statement you know, which is very, which was very reactive. It's like they they had no idea. They said that they were just learning of the allegation um, that that morning. Um, so basically, like the rest of us, which um, you know, just just kind of first thoughts, you know, on that. It, it it's just it's just a bad look, right? I I think it's an indictment on um, the Titan scouting and and kind of kind of their their vetting process and, and to have something like this just a year after the whole Isaiah Wilson situation, right? I mean, with, with Isaiah Wilson's thing, it wasn't stuff pre-draft. It was kind of what came, what happened during his spin, you know, with the Titans. But, you know, just to have a situation like Weaver's, you know, come up, you know, when coming into a year where, you know, you have to kind of be airtight with kind of your evaluations of guys and to have this come up, um, to have these uh, assault charges um, come up uh, against you know one of your draftees, and uh, in your statement you sound like you're unaware you were unaware of you know a- any of this uh, legal situation um, with uh, you know with Rashad Weaver. It's just it's just a really really bad look. Um, you know obviously the legal process still needs um, to play out, and then but but just kind of you know off of that too, like you just have questions about you know what dialogue the Titans may or may not have had with, with, you know, Weaver, um, you know, b- before he was selected, right. Because, um, you know, I know Blake Bettingfield, the Titans, former uh, director of college scouting uh, was on, uh, was on the radio here in, in Nashville the other day talking about, you know, generally what scouts do, um, you know, up until, you know, just before the draft, like calling, um, potential draftees to see if they have any health issues or if they have any legal issues. So, you know, based on his expertise and, and kind of just common sense, you wonder, did the Titans kind of do that due diligence? And did they ask Weaver, you know, as a potential draftee, did they ask him these questions? You have any situations 
any outstanding issues that we should be aware of. So, so that's kind of the first question. And then, then the second question is, if, if they did ask those questions, what did Weaver tell them? Did, did he, did he, um, did he kind of not give, tell the truth? What, did, did he lie? You know, what, what, what was kind of the situation there? Um, and then also, did, did Weaver even know he had a, a potential case um, on, on his hand? So there are a lot of qu questions there um, that, that need to be answered. The, the Titans haven't uh, spoken since that initial statement, um, since that reactive statement saying that they had kind of no idea um, of the allegations. So, um, so Gentry, it's, it, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what comes of this, but, but initially it, it's, uh, it's a bad look. Um, it, it's definitely a really bad look. Yeah. That was kind of my take on it as well. It's, it's hard to really, you know, bash the Titans over the pick because they didn't know, I mean, taking Weaver in the fourth round, you know, if you don't know, you don't know, but to me, that's kind of the problem. Um, you know, you mentioned being on the, the heels of what happened with Isaiah Wilson last year. And, and, you know, look, here's the deal. And, and I wrote this, the Titans have always under John Robinson, they've done a pretty good job of, of putting character guys in their locker room. When, when you're around this team, I, I, I actually have believed this is one of the reasons they've had as much success as, as they've had, uh, because this is a team that, that, you know, annually has winning records and they do it with teams that are greater than the sum of their parts. They don't have a lot of superstar players. Uh, I mean, you say Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, that's more of a recent thing. I mean, in the last few years, they really haven't had these guys that, that, you know, you look at them and go, man, that team should be good. And, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the leadership in the locker room, the character in the locker room. This is a team. They're tough. They don't quit. They, they make, runs late in games, they win games late. They do a lot of things that prove the commitment and the buy-in of the guys on the team. And they've done it here for the last few years. Uh, but in order to win, the, the Titans win the hard way. And in order to do that, you have to have that kind of commitment and buy-in and you have to, to know the kind of character that you're adding to your team. I think John Robinson has done a very good job of that until here recently. The, this is, yeah. when, you, when you do this the way the Titans do it, you can't miss on that. And they haven't been missing on that. And it's been a big key to their success, but now, okay, you have that with Isaiah and you're like, well, we didn't know this about him. Well, you know, okay. It happens once, you know, and now it happens again this year. We didn't know. You got to know. I mean, it's your job to know. And I understand the timetable was tough with Weaver. You look at how this played out and you could see how they wouldn't know. But, you know, my question would be, you probably have to have a short list of guys that you're pretty serious about going into the draft. You, we're probably going to take these guys and maybe the, the level of vetting is a little bit higher uh, for those guys. than they are some of the others on your list, mm -hmm. you're, you, this sort of thing's going to happen. You know, you're drafting all these different players. There's so many guys getting scouted. Things are going to get missed, but with to, to me, like say that the most troubling part was, was not knowing. And after not knowing last year, apparently what you were getting with Isaiah Wilson. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, kind of the thing here. And so, so yeah, again, you know, the, this is still kind of fresh. The, the legal process needs to, to play out. Um, 
you know, obviously we don't want to put too much judge. We don't want to put judgment on, you know, who, you know, Rashad Weaver may or, you know, may not be um, and, and all that. Um, but, um, but yeah, this is, this is a, a serious situation. And, and after hitting for so long in, in terms of what you said with, with the character, um, the character traits that the Titans have, have looked for, you know, since, since John Robinson came in and, you know, was very clear about the kind of guys he wanted, you know, on the Titans roster, you know, to have so many hits and then just to have back-to-back -back misses like this in consecutive drafts, it does raise questions. Um, and, and so, you, you also think, is this, um, is this a process problem like in the scouting uh, department or, or, or is this an issue with the people that you have kind of running the, the, the scouting department too? Because this has just come up, right? Like it, it wasn't an issue um, beforehand, um, those first four, four drafts, right? And, and now it's come up these last two. So you, I think you have to look at that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and, you know, moving on that uh, Rashad Weaver was one of eight players, the, uh, the Titans picked in the, in the 2021 draft kind of been kind of mixed results. I, I, I guess when it comes to how this draft has been perceived, I've seen people give the Titans an A, you know, ranking them among the, the top classes in all the NFL. I've seen some others, most notably fans <laughs> who, who weren't, <laughs> who weren't as thrilled with it. And I guess that's, that's kind of the nature of any, any draft class. We're going to go, pick by pick here and kind of give our thoughts. We start with in the first round that the Titans, you know, there was a lot of talk. Could they trade up? Could they trade back? They don't do either. They, they take Caleb Farley from uh, Virginia tech at 22. And Ben, we've talked about Farley on the podcast before we, we, this was, was perhaps telegraphed a little bit when it became clear that Farley was going to fall. Uh, you know, he, this was a guy who was originally viewed as maybe a top 10 pick who, has had a couple of back surgeries and, and some real questions about his health. That in addition to the fact that he didn't play last year at Virginia Tech. So, you know, if, if you're looking at a situation where he has to sit out longer because of the back issue, now you're talking about two years away from football. And that's – I think that probably scared off some teams. Didn't scare off the Titans. They they clearly liked Farley. They picked him ahead of, let's say, Greg Newsom, a cornerback who went – four picks after that they, they took him ahead of some good receivers that were out there maybe some other need positions you know Ben what's your 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 take on this pick I, I think most people were were they, they I think that most people agreed with this but at the same time you know uh, acknowledging it, it is a risk yeah I, I don't think you know my my opinion on the Farley pick has really changed since kind of we, we last spoke like immediately after the draft, right? You, you, you like the upside, but then you also have, you know, the injury concerns as we've talked about, as everyone has uh, kind of talked about. But, but one thing I've just sort of, you know, thought about is, you know, obviously there are kind of the longevity um, concerns with Far Farley. Um, but, you know, you, you think from like a Titans perspective, if they can get like, you know, five, six really strong years out of him, um, like, like he doesn't need to be a corner that maybe plays 10, 15 years, but if, if at least he, he can be as elite as you think he could be like for that short span of time where it appears that, you know, the, the Titans have their, uh, I mean, because the, the, the Titans, let, let me say it this way, the, the Titans window of opportunity is now right. In terms of being able to take that next step to being an elite team in this regime, in this regime with the way the roster is currently constructed. 
if you can get Caleb Farley to come in, you know, whenever he's ready to play, but when he's able to play, get those, you know, few really, really strong years out of him, like you, you think he's capable of. I mean, I, I think potentially you, you, you can live with that, right? Um, you know, um, just being a guy who, who covered the Seahawks for a few years before coming to Nashville, like, you know, Cam Chancellor is, you know, a guy who he didn't have the, the health concerns that Farley had coming to Seattle, but he, he's a guy whose career only lasted uh, seven, seven, eight years because of the um, because of the neck, because of the um, injury um, he had um, in, in, in 2017. Um, you know, kind of after the the peak Legion of Boom years, um, he, he didn't have the kind of longevity that some of his, you know, other Legion of Boom teammates had, but he was still a very impactful player for um, in the Seahawks window of opportunity between like 2012 and 2015. Um, and so, you know, obviously Cam Chancellor, Caleb Farley are, are different situations, but again, goes to my point of, you know, if you can get maybe five, you know, six really strong years out of Caleb Farley. Um, I, I think it can, it can be, it, it could be considered a hit. He better be healthy though. That's the thing, yeah. um, you, you know, given, uh, you know, and we're not going to sit here and talk about Isaiah Wilson this whole time, but, but that does, that does matter when you make a pick like this, because, you, you 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 can't miss on a first round or two years in a row. Well, we've talked about that, and this brings that into play, uh, given that you don't really know if he's healthy or what you're going to get out of him this season. The Titans clearly looked at it. They were clearly okay with what they saw. Um, you know, you'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that, even when some other teams were not. They looked at, at Farley and, and didn't see that. And, and that's the thing when you're picking 22, you're getting a player that was probably better than 22, but there's a reason he fell. And yeah. you, were, you were probably, you know, you're going to be faced with that no matter who you pick. Me personally, and I've said this, I like Greg Newsom a little better. We'll see how this this plays out in the next few years. I could look silly for saying that. But uh, even with the back issues, when I saw them play, I felt like Greg Newsom was maybe a little bit better fit for what the Titans needed. But, you know, look, we'll see. Uh, moving on into the second round, Ben, there were – there were several guys available as the Titans pick was coming up. The Titans didn't move off that pick. They watched Aziz Ojolari, uh, Rondell Moore, a couple other guys go right before uh, they picked Dylan Radens. Radens, is that right? Ray Duns? I, think I, I believe right. so, yes. yes. Dylan Radens, a, uh, a tackle from North Dakota State. Um, as always, when you get a guy from a, a program like North Dakota State, there's going to be a wide range of opinions because he hasn't played competition like a lot of their guys, you know, power five SEC type competition. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that some people had mocked into the first round. It, it, if you're if I don't think the question is, can this guy play? I think the question is, should they have drafted a tackle there? Yeah. Yeah. You you look at kind of what what the Titans needed there and. um you know that there were edge options, there were wide receiver options, and, and that's something you know we can kind of get into a, a bit later. But I think there were you know a few, a couple positions that were kind of bigger priorities than um, you know offensive tackle, right tackle. But um, clearly, this was the guy on you know the, the Titans board, and so you know it, it, it's 
I mean, well, again, I mean, this is another pick. We'll, we'll kind of have to see, you know, how it plays out. You, you like what you see on, on tape with him, you know, in terms of scheme, it, it's very similar um, in terms of, you know, kind of zone, zone scheme, uh, you know, you know, running, running, pounding the ball. Um, in terms of scheme, schematic fit, I, I think you, you like the, the translation there. But then, you know, there, there are some questions too. Like, you know, he first of all, Ray Duns has to learn right tackle. Um, you know, he he's he, he was uh, Trey Lance's blindside prote- protector at uh, North Dakota State, so he kind of has to learn the other side of, of the line. Um, then, you know, there, there's the competition concern. Um, you know, as well, you know, coming from an FCS school, FCS school. And then, then, man, my my mind is kind of leaving me um, on what on, on what my next point was. Um, I, I think really, re- I think really, with this, it's a matter of they created the need themselves at right tackle by releasing Dennis Kelly in the offseason. They they signed yeah. a couple of guys who are going to be veterans who Raidens is going to have to come in and compete with. So I don't think you look at him and say he is a for sure starter, but I don't think you take him in the second round, unless you think he probably is. And, yeah. you know, look, the, the Titans have made it clear. I, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily view tackle as a pressing enough need to take him ahead of a, a wide receiver or a tight end. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, I, I get why the Titans do see it that way. And they do. They made it clear last year with Isaiah Wilson. They, th- this pick again this year, they view tackle as that way. And I, I think that's, you know, look, you're talking about a team with a with a 2,000 yard rusher, so yeah. it's hard to knock the offensive line and what they built. So if if that's a if that's a a need for them, you see why it is. Um, yeah, you know, and, and oh, so, sorry, Gentry, but yeah, just to kind of go off of your point, and that kind of just reminded me of what I was going to say. Right, like now the the Titans in the John Robinson you know regime have used three uh, top well three top 53 picks on um on right tackle now right and so you know obviously there's jack conklin uh in in 2016 but but he's not in the picture you have isaiah wilson that was a bust and then you have ray dunn so there's pressure there right um but again like you were saying um it it just didn't appear to be as big a need because you do have kendall lamb who you signed and then um you know you you have you have some depth there that you can kind of work with um so so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how that kind of turns out just to kind of move on to um, the, the Titans third round selection, uh, Monty Rice, uh, inside linebacker out of Georgia. I know a lot of Titans fans uh, were not particularly pleased, uh, you know, with, with the pick, um, you know, obviously that, that taking a, a linebacker like that in, in the third round, you wonder if he, he's going to come in. Uh, to, to be competition for uh, Rashawn Evans. But again, it, it just seemed kind of strange that you go linebacker, which wasn't really a need um, over spots like wide receiver. Again, you like you pass over wide receiver again, you pass over tight end again, um, and you pass over edge rusher again. So, uh, you know, personally, I had some, you know, questions about about that pick. Yeah, and you look later in the third round, and, and the Elijah Molden pick I think was good. But but to me, the biggest issue I had with anything the Titans did in this entire draft was how they handled that third round swing, 
getting Monty Rice. Um, they had there were two tight ends that I believe if I if someone were to ask me going into this draft, who are who are the guys that the Titans cannot let get by them? One would have been Hunter Long. The other would have been Tommy Trimble, the two tight ends. And it as they were they got within about four or five picks of them in the third round. Those two guys are still on the board and Hunter Long goes. When that happens, the Titans need to move up. They need to do something right that minute to make sure they don't lose Tommy Tremble because now you're kind of signaling, well, it could be a run on tight ends, and there were. They lost Tremble right before they picked in the third round. They ended up trading down to get Monty Rice. I didn't really agree with Monty Rice, but I, I think he, he's a fine player. I, I think he's the kind of guy that's probably going to hang around the NFL 10 years and never really be a superstar, but probably get a lot of tackles. Uh, he's, a, he's a solid guy to put in your middle of your defense. That's a guy you probably could have gotten in the fourth or fifth round, but my issue isn't with picking him. It's with missing out on the tight end. That was a situation where the Titans had to move. They could not miss on those guys because the crop was really, really weak behind them. And they did. They missed on them. Then they trade down and get Monty Rice. Um, you know, real quick on, on you know, you've talked about with Molden, you know, being, being out in Seattle. That was a pick. I, I like that pick. I think you like that pick. That might have been, as you look back on the draft, the best pick they made in terms of value and a guy who can come in and play right away. Yeah, definitely in terms of just where you get him at, right? At, at 100, I, I saw a lot of mocks, a lot of draft people saying, you know, probably thir- maybe 30s, 40s, you get him at 100. Um, you know, I, I think just with with Molden and then, uh, you know, you obviously added Farley in, in the first round. You have Christian Fulton, who you expect to have a bigger role in year two. It's just setting up a lot of a lot of competition at that cornerback spot, right? I mean, you have, I mean, essentially four of your five uh, top corners, you know, on the depth chart are new. The fifth, which is is Fulton, only played six games last year. So, um, and, and then I think with, with full, I think, you know, in ideal world, right, you may see, uh, you know, Farley, uh, Jack Rab- uh, Jack Rabbit. Uh, Jenkins as kind of the two starters on the outside, but then, you know, you may have a situation where you have Molden and Fulton battling out on the inside, or maybe Fulton is in the competition at the outside, or if Farley isn't ready, you know, right away, maybe he's on the outside with uh, Janoris Jenkins. So, um, so yeah, I think again, yeah, the, the Molden pick, I think we can all agree was real solid, but you know, it's just kind of shaping up to be a really competitive cornerback room come training camp. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me if we look back on this in a few years and say Molden was a better pick than Farley. Wouldn't shock me. It, I, yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying it wouldn't wouldn't shock me if it did. I think Molden was a really good good addition for them. Uh, moving into the fourth round, and we'll start knocking these out a little pretty quick here. But the the Titans traded up quick on Saturday, got Des Fitzpatrick. That was a pick that. It was a little surprising to some people because he really wasn't that high on a lot of lists for wide receiver. I, I liked Des Fitzpatrick, but this is a guy I used to, I used to work in Louisville before I came to Nashville. So I did cover uh, Fitzpatrick there early in his career at Louisville. He came in to an offense that was Bobby Petrino's offense and Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. He was a big part of that. I mean, he was, he was productive right away. And there were, I remember watching a spring game where he made, a catch for a touchdown that, that got your attention real quick. 
NFL level play. Uh, this is a guy who's got a lot of size. He's got a lot of ball skills. He's got a lot of ability. He's just been playing in an offense that wanted to run the ball the last couple of years, um, <clears throat> you know, without Petrino when Scott Satterfield came in. But personally, I like that pick. I think Des Fitzpatrick is he's not a guy that, you know, is going to come in and be the number two receiver for sure. But he has a chance to be. He's got the skill set to be what they needed. And they do need help there. They slow played that position. And, you know, so now you're kind of looking for where's the home run. And Des Fitzpatrick has the ability to be the home run to me. Yeah, I, I, I like the, the Titans picking up, you know, Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, I, I didn't kind of agree with where they took him. But I also understand that, you know, you didn't take a receiver in the first three rounds. You just need to make sure that you can get your guy. So, um, you know, in, in that regard, I, I don't really have any problem with them taking Fitzpatrick. And then, you know, also you mentioned his size, but then also his versatility too. You can put him outside or in, you know, I, I know that the the Titans saw him, you know, work in the slot at the senior bowl. That's obviously a whole, that was a whole with um, Adam Humphreys getting released during the off season. Um, so, so yeah, you, you, you kind of like what, what he can, can add depth wise to that receiver room. Yeah. And then we talked about uh, Rashad Weaver a little bit already, just real quick as, as a player uh, Weaver struck me as the kind of guy he was, he was extremely productive at Pitt. He, he was, he had an all American season this last year and, you know, this is a guy, he's going to turn 24 this year. So t- t- take out the issue we've already discussed. Just as a player, uh, you could say maybe a little reach because he's the perfect example of a guy to me that was very productive in college that NFL scouts overlooked because he lacked a lot of the intangibles that you want in an explosive edge rusher. He's a guy that I think could be productive if not not an explosive guy on the edge. He could, so he yeah. could play some inside too. Yeah, and, and, and I think, right, you, you look at what the Titans needed in a pass rusher, right? I don't think they necessarily needed that ideal athletic freak of an edge rusher. I mean, you, you, you bring in Bud Dupree, who you hope is kind of everything that he was in Pittsburgh. You already have Harold Landry. You really need, you know, a really dependable number three, number four option to kind of supplement you know, what you're getting from those guys and, and, and Danico Autry and, and Jeffrey Simmons on the line. So in terms of, you know, what you get from uh, a, a guy like Weaver, you, you don't, I don't think you necessarily needed him to be kind of like that athletic freak that, you know, uh, draft pundits get so caught up in with, with edge rushers. I think in terms of what the Titans specifically needed for their pass rush, I think he's he's a good fit in that regard. But, you know, one thing with, with Weaver it, uh, is it, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, just from a scheme fit, right? I mean, you know, because he's coming from a 4-3 in uh, at Pitt, and, and he was a defensive end, and he's going to be asked to be an outside linebacker in, in, in a 3-4, and he didn't play inside at all at Pitt. And so, um, you know, I think that there may be a, you know, a little bit of an adjustment there. Um, and then obviously the whole legal thing needs to play out. But um, but I think in terms of what you're getting and in terms of exactly what you needed in the pass rush, I think he fits that bill. Two picks in the sixth round to uh, close out the draft. Um, you know, it, in, in terms of LSU receiver, Racy McMath, I'll be honest, Ben, I've covered the SEC for a number of years. I've watched LSU. I had no idea who this guy was. <laughs> and, and, and that, and that 
tells you right there that he didn't exactly make a big mark at LSU. I think you can kind of look at it and say, well, my gosh, he's playing behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Okay. All right. I buy that. But at the same time, you see, you see the measurables with this guy, you see the size, the speed, and why wasn't he more productive? LSU's wanting, they're trying to win football games. They're trying to put the best players on the field. Why, why did, why wasn't he more productive? That to me is, a pretty big red flag. I, I think, you know, I mean, this is a team in LSU that knows how to develop receivers and we've seen it and they couldn't develop him. So that's why you get a guy like that in the sixth round is clearly a project behind him. Brady breeze from Oregon. Um, look, this was a special teams pick to me. This is not a guy who I think is, is going to have a chance to really contribute much for the Titans at safety. And while I think these, these picks could pan out more than we think. They could, obviously, but uh, especially McMath, I think that, that there's some potential there physically for sure. But at the same time, these are two guys that I think were picks made more with a v- eye on special teams. And I question that only because you still had needs at that point. Uh, there were guys yeah. they could have taken with those picks. You still you didn't have a tight end yet, and a, a need that I thought coming into this draft was a quarterback. There's still. With Logan Woodside, backup quarterback is not, you know, they took a quarterback last year and it didn't pan out. And so did you think about that? You had guys like Jamie Newman from Georgia and Wake Forest who were still available late in the draft, never never got selected. Um, so to, to me, this kind of smelled of we're, we're throwing these picks away on something that could happen or help on special teams. And a good special teams guy is valuable, Ben, but you can usually get those guys, those guys off practice squads on other teams, can't you? Yeah, definitely. And and I think, you know, especially like like the tight end need, you know, I you know, even if, if, if you're not able to get, you know, one of those cut one of those guys in like the mid rounds, third, fourth round, like a hunter long, those type of guys, even if you're not able to get those kind of guys, you know, I, I would have anticipated that the Titans would have at least tried to get, you know, a tight end with one of those, you know, last couple picks, uh, because there were, you know, a couple that that were still you know, available. Um, you know, I'd say I, I have a problem more with the McMath pick than, than the Brady Breeze pick. I mean, uh, you know, Breeze, yeah, I mean, obviously they're both special teams guy, but special teams guys, but you know, Breeze, you know, right away is going to be like a staple as a special team or like, I don't remember the, the number of special team snaps he had off the top of my head, but it was a lot. Like he did, like I believe it was like a hundred percent of the Oregon special team snaps that he played, you know, in, in his time uh, in in Oregon. So so you 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 like that there, but but then with McMath, you know, I just don't think you know the the potential special teams value you know outweighs what you're missing in him as a receiver. And there's we'll just mention you you as you look back tight ends. There have been some very, very good tight ends in the NFL who were taken late in the draft. I'm just saying. Uh, just I wouldn't have disregarded some no-name tight end in the sixth round. You never know. So anyway, all right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Talking Titans. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcasts, and drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Ben Arthur, I'm Gentry Estes. Thanks so much for listening. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean.